Uh, so yesterday, well, it actually started a couple of months ago. Um, we had a, uh, a, we'll call her a friend of the church, somebody that's been engaging uh, our church community through the live stream for the last few months, um, who gave us the opportunity to start building the tent, just provided a, um, some financial resources for us to be able to, to do this. And then uh, through an extensive amount of work from Ryan Hinkle, Celeste Scott, and then yesterday a team of 23, or I should say nearly 23 people, uh, if you read our email, that showed up here, put this tent up in half a day, uh, just honestly. It was, a, it was a pretty mountainous effort and uh, pretty awesome to see it all come together. And then uh, just debriefing with Shannon for uh, eight seconds here as she was uh, unplugging all the things. We knew you were singing the last couple of months. Uh, we trusted that you were singing, but something happened under this canvas that allowed us to just be able to hear each other, and it was spectacular. You guys, you sound so good. Well done. Just lifting up your voices to the King of Kings. I love it. It's such an encouragement to be here and to be able to worship Jesus with you guys. We're so grateful for uh, the hard work that went into this. So thank you guys that were here yesterday. Uh, if you were here yesterday, just throw your hand up so we can see you guys. Uh, I just want to say excellent, excellent job. I want to throw a special shout out to Mr. Eric Hansen and Chris for building this stage and being able to put that together. Again, uh, we had somebody come and look at this stage and just, they, they were curious if this was a stage that we got from another church because we had talked with a couple other churches about using their stage. And then we said, no, Eric and Chris built it. And it was just like, wait, this, this got built in a matter of what, about a day and a half? Well, I guess it took a little longer than that, four days. Yeah, uh, you know, but still just incredible. And he told me I could jump on it and I wouldn't fall through it. So that's pretty exciting in case I get really excited while I preach. Um, Yes, I, I'm just grateful for this, and honestly, uh, to tell you guys a little bit of the why. Uh, there are a couple of things that we do, choosing to meet outdoors for an extended period of time, uh, choosing to mask to mingle, um, choosing to uh, operate the way that we're doing. Uh, a big part of our desire with this is to be able to connect with a community that is hurting. Uh, there are people that are... Um, Lost, not simply in the spiritual sense, but trying to understand the day that we are in, that are seeking and searching and looking for something of substance to grab a hold of. Everything just feels like a mist right now. Everything just feels like vapor, and it's, it's hard to find a footing. And if we could be a church that removes some of the barriers to being able to hear the gospel by providing a live stream or by being outdoors or by being willing to wear a mask so that somebody might feel comfortable stepping into a place like this to hear the name of Jesus. And you might be one of those today. And our desire is that you would hear the name of Jesus and know his utter care for you, his love for you, his deep, deep concern that you would know him, that you would experience his grace and his kindness. That's why we would do this week in and week out for as long as it takes. To be totally honest, we built this tent not knowing the end game. 
We don't, have a, we don't have a plan to go back indoors. We don't have a date that we're trying to reuse that building. We're not even really thinking that way at this point. And for some of you, that might be a discouragement. But our hope and our desire is to be a church that visually, verbally, and with our, with our hearts and our attitudes says to a, a community, we want you to know the name of Jesus you're welcome to be here with us, and we want you to be a part of what God is doing. And that's why we would do this. That's the reasoning for the, the choices that we've made. Uh, many hours of prayer and discussion have gone into our elder team, our staff team, just trying to discern our way forward. And to be honest, under no circumstances would we claim that we have made all the right decisions about how to move forward. Anybody think they've gotten it all right in COVID? Has anybody made a perfect set of right decisions since this whole thing started on, I think it was Shannon's birthday. We blame Shannon Regenstrafe. So the reality is uh, we don't know that we're making every right decision, but we are not necessarily looking to just get it 100% right. We're looking to follow the Lord. We want to listen for his voice. We want to seek his presence like uh, Israel in the wilderness, something Garrison's going to be preaching on next week. We want to follow the cloud and the fire. When he goes, we want to go. When he stops, we want to stop. Our concern is for the presence of God, not just about getting it right, not just about saying the right things in the right order at the right times. We want to follow the presence of God wherever he takes us, and we're still on that journey. And the reality is, uh, historically, many, many, many great things have happened in tents, so we're trusting for great things to happen under a tent. And for you guys at home, uh, we love you. We miss you. We look forward to the day that we get to uh, re rejoice together, whether that's honestly on this side of the return of Christ or the next side of the return of Christ. And that's not trying to say that in a dire way, just trusting that there will be a day that we are fully reunited with brothers and sisters around the world for all time under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I want to say that out loud because I want us to be looking forward to his return, to be living with an anticipation that this is about something bigger. So Christmas Eve is coming up, and we, cho we are choosing to do this because we want to be able to invite people to say, you can come here. You can be outside. You can be welcomed in. You can wear a mask. You can, you can sit at a distance from people but we're gonna be preaching the name of Jesus and we're gonna be extending a, a hand of friendship and welcoming and invitation to you to experience God's presence with us as we spend time in the scriptures and in prayer and in worship. And that's our, that's our heart, that's our attitude, and we wanna encourage you uh, to welcome people in. So four o'clock and six o'clock this coming Thursday, we're really excited to be back in here. Um, this is sort of like we had some unknowns going into the tent. We didn't know exactly how it was going to look and feel. We didn't know what everything was going to taste like and smell like and all that kind of thing. If you're wondering why I picked those two senses, I don't know. They were the first two senses that came to mind. Uh, but if you have ideas and you would like to uh, be a part of actually making this place feel welcoming and be uh, open to people on Christmas Eve and just feel uh, the, the presence of Jesus on Christmas Eve in a tactile way, please do not hesitate. Uh, 
I don't know where Celeste is, but she can coordinate all of that. So Celeste at anthemchurch.org would be the best place to just connect and say, hey, I want to help. And we'll be looking for people this week to help. And also for the day of, for Christmas Eve, at each of our gatherings, we need about 10 people that can be a part of our team to welcome people in or to help get things set up or put in the right place or torn down or all that kind of thing. Uh, So we're looking for a team of about 20 people between the 4 and the 6 p.m. that could help on Christmas Eve. So if you could reach out to Celeste at anthemchurch.org and uh, you could do a little hand raise emoji or say more than that if you want, but let us know and that would be fantastic. Um, So with that, uh, let me pray for us and we're gonna dig into the scriptures this morning. Jesus, we love you. We praise you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Uh, We know that we do not deserve your kindness. There is not much that we do deserve, yet you bring us gifts. You shower us with joy, with peace, with your Holy Spirit, with an inheritance of eternity with a a faith to walk in that is built on something of substance, not sand that washes away, but a rock that withstands every storm, Jesus. And in the same way that the wise men brought you gifts, Jesus, you are the one who just showers us with gift after gift after gift through your presence, and we are so thankful, Lord Jesus. We love you, we praise you, we give you glory and honor. Would you... Be honored even by my preaching this morning, Jesus, that as we look to the scriptures, that, uh, that you would embody the scriptures, that you would fill them as they go out. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and we trust you to draw us nearer to yourself through your scriptures. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, you guys, we are finishing up First Peter this week. Last week, Bert Alcorn from Anthem Ventura uh, came here and he preached a survey through the entire book of 1 Peter. Uh, If you were with us last week and your head is still spinning, again, he acknowledged, yes, it is a fire hose to the face. I think he said the mouth specifically, which sounds really uncomfortable. Um, But it was important to note that the things that that Bert was teaching on, they have a, a lasting impact and it's the kind of message that would be worth drawing on even as we go into 2021 because there are things that are going to play into how we carry out this next year that are going to be really important to grab from that. Today, we're going to be actually wrapping up the final three verses of 1 Peter. So you can open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And I don't know what it is about Peter, but the opening two verses or three verses and the closing three verses have just been so crazy helpful to me in understanding what Peter has been trying to do with this letter. So this is way beyond just a, you know, final moments. And there's something here that I think is really important. So uh, these three verses say, by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. There are three big things that we want to talk about from this passage. Uh, We are going to talk about the true grace of God. We're going to talk about standing firm in it, 
And we're going to talk about peace to all of you who are in Christ. Those are the three big things. If you're curious about Sylvanus, it was common for uh, uh, people in those days, especially somebody like Peter, who grew up as a, an uneducated fisherman. Uh, the Greek in 1 Peter is excellent. And many people look at that and say, well, that was Sylvanus that was kind of cleaning up Peter's Greek and helping to put it together in a way. Sylvanus was most likely somebody that Peter dictated this letter to, and he wrote it for many to go out. And it's also believed that Sylvanus might have carried the letter from church to church to church to church, just delivering this incredible, faithful good news. And I just, I bring that up to you because again, they're sort of like the Peters of the world that get a lot of attention. And then there's the would it be Sylvanuses or Sylvani that uh, kind of go under the radar? Honestly, like, like Eric and Chris building this stage, guys who have a, a deep contribution to uh, just the way the church might operate on any given Sunday, but it, it's not necessarily going to be noticed. Sylvanus is one of those guys that just did his role and carried it out faithfully. And Peter wanted to make sure that every church knew his name and understood, hey, this is a guy that contributed to the word of God going forth. And he is a faithful brother. I just, I love that Peter takes the time to honor and affirm Sylvanus's faithfulness. So here's what he says. I've written briefly to you. Peter considers this a brief letter, which is a good thing. That's brief. Romans, 1 Corinthians, those are some of the longer ones. I've written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Now, when Peter says this is the true grace of God, that this is not necessarily any one statement that he's made, but it is the entirety of the letter that he has written. He's walked us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You look at chapter one and you just see this incredible representation of us being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he builds off of that power to take us into an incredible letter that deals with our identity. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. These are the things that are, are, are true about you who have been brought into the family of God. He writes about our suffering. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you. Guys, it is going to get difficult. There is going to be resistance for those who choose to follow Christ. If you want the easy life, choose the way of the world, and it's just going to go with the flow, but it is going to end in destruction. If you want to choose the way of the kingdom of God, it is going to specifically go against the way of evil, against the way of the flesh, against the way of the world. The instincts even that are in us are going to be reformed and reshaped by the spirit of God in us. And he's going to take us a different way as followers of Jesus. And we're going to pursue life differently because we have the presence of Christ in us. And so Peter writes and he says, this, everything that I've just shared with you is the true grace of God. And as we think about that and we think about, okay, well, what is Peter trying to uh, encourage us with? Why is it important to understand that this, the message of the gospel, 
the person of the gospel, Jesus Christ, why is it important to understand that as God's grace? And for that, I want to take you to actually one of Paul's writings to help understand this grace of God. This is in Titus chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, it's worth flipping over. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. So Paul's writing to Titus. It's just a few books before, a few letters before 1 Peter. Titus, uh, Paul writes to Titus and he says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, Paul writing to Titus in chapter two and pretty much all of Peter's letter, you'll notice a lot of similarities in the wording. It just feels like the same kind of phrasing because they understand the grace of God to be the person of Jesus Christ. We're memorizing John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It's the challenge to memorize it by our family Christmas party. Uh, and so the idea of the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that word, the word of God is Jesus. We call him Jesus incarnate because he had preexisted. In the beginning was the word. The word already existed. He was with God in the beginning. This word is Jesus Christ and he enters into humanity. So we know Jesus as the word. And both Peter and Paul identify Jesus as the grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. That is Jesus Christ. He is the living, breathing embodiment of God's grace. Now, this idea of grace is, uh, is often described as unmerited favor. God showing us his kindness and his mercy it's how he demonstrates his mercy. So if you're looking and thinking about who God is and, and where do I stand before him, you have this, this living, breathing picture that God is for you in the person of Jesus Christ. He is after you, wanting to show you his kindness, his grace, his mercy, because he loves you. God desires that you would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is his default posture to demonstrate mercy. He wants you to experience all that he has for you. He has an inheritance for you. He has his fullness of love for you. And that is his grace that has appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we celebrate at Christmas time, there's this incredible picture. I mean, we all know it from uh, Charlie Brown. But when Linus reads this particular passage from Luke chapter 2, it says this incredible phrase, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I say we all know it from Charlie Brown. If you don't know it from Charlie Brown, you should probably watch that at some point between now and Christmas. It's a great, great representation. But there's this incredible picture in Luke chapter 2 
as these angels announce this message, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God's grace was born today. That's what the angels are saying. A living, breathing demonstration of his unmerited, undeserved favor towards you is Jesus Christ. I say all that over and over and over because I want you to hear this. If you want to experience God's grace towards you, it comes through the person of Jesus Christ. This is the true grace of God, Peter says. Now he goes on to the next phrase and he says, stand firm in it. So this message of the gospel, this is the true grace of God, this person of Jesus Christ, this is the true grace of God. Now I want you to orient your life around the grace of God. I want you to stand firm in it. And when you think about standing firm, there are different pictures that kind of come to our mind. We've probably all been on some kind of slippery footing before. You may remember the story of my dad in Hawaii a few years back. They went for a hike on Kauai, I believe it was. They went up the trail, and it was all fine, and then it started raining, and as they went down the trail, the water washed out the trail, and they tried to walk across a wet tree root with a few hundred-foot cliff on the side, and he slipped and fell, and just like the movies, I have this picture in my head, I wasn't there, but just like the movies, he grabs onto the tree root, tears his shoulder to pieces, and my mom had to help him up the tree root, but saved his own life. But the footing... Is that, how does that, how did I represent that? Is that pretty good? I wish, I wish we could have had that on camera. Just uh, honestly, great footage, family memory. That moment, dad almost slipped off a cliff in Kauai, uh, or mom almost pushed him. One of those two. I can't remember exactly the, the way the story played out. But we've all been on, in situations where our feet were on uneven or unsteady ground. It's slippery and it's scary. I was training my boys to put up Christmas lights the other day, and Andrew was laying on the roof. Sorry for calling you out, Andrew. He was laying on the roof with the staple gun, and I mean, he had a good, you know, he's five foot nine or so, and I think five foot eight of him was on the roof in, on stable ground, but he felt like he was slipping over the edge and, you know, just reaching around like it feels like you're falling. And this idea of, of stable footing is so important. And it doesn't exist in this world apart from Jesus Christ. Peter says, this is the true grace of God. I want you to stand firm in it, meaning I want you to orient your entire life around the truth and the reality that Jesus Christ is the grace of God, living, breathing, providing his favor to you. That is what we do with our lives. We stand firm in it. We've got a little bit of time, so I'm going to walk through a couple of the scriptures that say stand firm in your, in your faith, stand firm in the presence of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's writing, and he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about the ways that the enemy is going to try and go after us, and he says in chapter 6, verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So Peter's challenge to stand firm in the grace of God, Paul's challenge is under the attack of the enemy, 
I want your feet to be on the, the footing that is Jesus Christ. I want you to stand firm in the evil day. Paul says this again to the Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You look at Paul writing to the Ephesians and Paul writing to the Philippians, and it is front-faced at the evil of the world and standing confidently in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The picture of standing firm is one that the, the world is coming at us. The enemy is coming at us. The flesh is coming at us. All of the things that would seek to tear down Christ in us, it is coming at us. And the challenge from Peter, the challenge from Paul, is to put your feet on Jesus Christ and to face the brokenness of the world that is coming at you. Because you have what you need to withstand the evil day. There's this incredible moment when Mary uh, was told that she was pregnant with Jesus. It's the, the wild moment that a teenage unmarried girl gets visited by an angel and said, the Holy Spirit has made you pregnant. I mean, just you think of how absolutely wild that experience would be, how unsettling that would be to experience that kind of a thing. And we get this song, this poem that Mary wrote that she shared. And in the face of an incredibly wild situation, she writes in Luke 146 and says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I want you to think about that for just a moment. As Mary is preparing herself to be the mother of the Messiah, her response, her answer is to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And when you think about this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. That phrase summarizes what it would look like for you to live a life of standing firm in the faith. My soul magnifies the Lord. Everything that I can do with my life is to give glory, to increase his presence, to show him to be greater. My soul magnifies the Lord. When people look at me, they see Jesus 2x, 5x, 10x, 30x. I magnify the Lord. I want him to be bigger. John the Baptist says it in John 3.30. I must decrease that he may increase. I want him to be the story. When, when Peter challenges us to stand firm in the grace of God, He's challenging us in the face of evil to live lives that magnify Jesus as our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. And the final phrase from 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter closes out by saying, peace to all of you who are in Christ. And these are those moments, you know, depends on where you're from. We have a Rodney from Arkansas. How, how do you say goodbye in Arkansas? What's just a standard kind of adios to people? See you later. See y'all later. later. All right. Rodney from Arkansas says, see y'all later. That's how we would say goodbye in Arkansas. Uh, 
Anybody from Hawaii? All right. Yeah, Jace, how do you say goodbye in Hawaii? <laughs> same, way as, same way as hello. Is that ever confusing to people? Yeah, just the coming and going. Maybe it's the idea that you're always coming and going and you're just going to say aloha no matter what. All right. The idea of saying goodbye. Sometimes we look at phrases like this and we just think it's just Peter's way of saying goodbye. Peace, brothers. I'm out. But this is actually more than that. Peter opens his letter and closes his letter in the same way. If you go back to chapter one, verse two, Peter says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter starts with, and he finishes with peace to all of you who are in Christ. So let's talk about peace for just a minute. I mean, there's different kinds of peace. There's world peace where the world is not at war with each other. And maybe, maybe on some levels, Peter is hoping for that when he says peace to all of you, but I actually think there's something different that he's trying to get at. And it's the reality that apart from Christ, we are at war with God. Now, you may not acknowledge that. You may not realize it. You may not even feel that. If you're not in Christ, you may not feel that you are at war with God, that your default posture as a human being is in opposition to God. But what we see over and over and over in the scriptures is that all of us in sin are in opposition to God or at war with God or our souls are in turmoil with God under his judgment, every single one of us. Then there's this incredible reality. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angels are praising the birth of Christ. And they say this phrase, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this gift of peace that has come into humanity is the gift of a person having a soul that is no longer at war with God and all of the contentiousness and all of the turmoil and all of the strain of living a life where our soul is in opposition to God is immediately and totally reconciled and we are put at peace. We are put to rest the opportunity for a true and complete Sabbath exists where there's no strain, there's no turmoil, there's no proving ourselves before God, there's no anticipating judgment, there is no fear because our souls are at peace with our creator totally and completely. There is nothing left that you have to do before you are brought into complete and total union with your creator, either at the time of your physical death or at the time that Christ comes again. And so you can walk through this life with a completely different worldview. And that's what Peter is essentially getting at with these blessings, is he's saying peace to all of you who are in Christ, meaning you get to go through this life knowing that this giant unknown, this giant question mark that exists in every single person that is born into this world, where do I stand with God? It's answered. 
perfectly, completely, totally answered. You and the creator of all things who judges the living and the dead are good. You are right. You are at peace when you are in Christ. Now, to be in Christ is not any different than to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, to have given your life to Jesus. It is referencing specifically all who have experienced the grace of God through Jesus Christ. One of the gifts that has been given to us is this peace. So now here's one giant question when we think about the peace of God in our lives. And when Peter says, peace to all of you who are in Christ, well, where is that peace supposed to go? And this is a question that that should be answered in the lives of believers in Jesus Christ, that that peace is designed to go out from us. That we are to be agents in this world of bringing the peace of Christ. That when the world is contentious and swirling and difficult, we are living, if you've heard people talk about this recently, it's a really helpful phrase, a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. We're not fighting for where we stand with God because we know where we stand with God. So that makes it so that we have total freedom to go and be agents or ministers of reconciliation. If I'm good with God, it means that I can go into the lives of people and I can help people find their way back to God. If my soul is at peace with my king and I, I don't have to cling to every last minute or every last day of this life, I, I live with eternity in mind. Peter's giving us a different worldview. If I'm at peace with God, it allows me to function differently in this world to be able to go to this world and say, I have peace to offer you. Where your soul is in unrest, where there are questions that you're asking, where there's difficulty that you're experiencing, well, God brings peace into our lives through Jesus Christ. I can share that peace with you. So for us as, as followers of Jesus, we have something to offer to this world. You've heard us talk over and over and over about being exiles, about what it means to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven who are living in this life as ambassadors, as missionaries, as people who are bringing the faith of Jesus into this world, the peace of Jesus into this world, the righteousness of Jesus into this world. We have a different mandate. We have a different calling. It's not to say that you shouldn't go about being the profession that you're being. In fact, we need you in those places. We need you in finance. We need you in medicine. We need you in marketing. We need you in education. We need you in construction. We need you in all the places of this world. The people of Jesus who are carrying the presence of Jesus into a broken and hurting world. And so as exiles, we take on a worldview. Now, worldview is I have the true grace of God. That is Jesus. It's not designed to stop with me. It's designed to go through me where I show people grace. I show people unmerited favor. 
As believers in Jesus, we should be the first and the fastest to forgive in any and every situation because we know what it means to be forgiven for things that we never deserve to be forgiven for. The first and the fastest to forgive as followers of Jesus. We have the true grace of God. We are called to stand firm in it, meaning we make Jesus our foundation. When the world looks for other things to build their foundations on, we are looking to Jesus to build our foundation on. So it doesn't matter how shaky and rattly the other things get. And what's been shaken and rattled? Our economy has been shaken and rattled. Our politics have been shaken and rattled. Our understanding of education has been shaken and rattled. Our understanding of medicine and science has been shaken and rattled. These things have been shaken and rattled, but we have not built our houses on any of those things as followers of Jesus. We've built our house on the rock that is Jesus Christ, that as the storm rages, our foundation is unmoved because we've put our feet on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's how we can walk into a broken world because no matter how much things shift and waver, Jesus has not even once shifted or wavered. And we have peace and we are to reorient our perspective around the eternal gift of God through Jesus Christ. We have peace because eternity is secure. So in our day, as long as we have life, we live as ministers of the gospel. In whatever profession, in whatever world we live in, we live as ministers of the gospel because we, we have a, an eternity to give. It may be that at the end of 1 Peter, you're, you're tired of hearing all of this. It's like, I get it. Maybe it's that we just need to keep hearing it over and over and over that the reality is we are from a different world. God's kingdom is our home and we're here as ambassadors. But my hope is that in saying this over and over through this letter, I believe it's been God's grace for us to go through it. Because there are competing agendas trying to draw our identity, trying to draw our citizenship, trying to draw our worldview back to this world. And Peter is fighting, actively fighting those elements to get us to keep our heads in eternity, to keep our hearts in Christ, to keep our feet on the foundation that is Jesus. He is counterforming us every single day of our lives. And we need it. So my prayer as we wrap up 1 Peter is that we would see and know the message of the gospel and that we would build our lives with the perspective that we are exiles sent into this world and that we would have on our lips the true grace of God that is Jesus Christ our Lord ready, ready to give that response to everybody who asks us and ready to demonstrate the goodness of God through Jesus Christ in the way that we live our lives. That's why we would go through Peter, and that's why we would do this week in and week out. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this incredible letter. Thank you for the opportunity to understand and know what it is that you have asked of us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we uh, find our way forward into 2021, that you would be building a 
um, a different kind of people with a different kind of foundation and a different kind of worldview and a different kind of purpose. That our lives are built on you, Jesus, to walk forward into a hurting world with your grace, your unmerited favor, ready to deliver to every single person who you love dearly. You desire them to come to the knowledge of your truth. Would we, Lord Jesus, be carriers of your presence and of your name? It's in your name we pray. Amen.